Hey everyone, it's David Duchovny. Do you ever feel like a failure? Trust me, I get it. Hell, I've spent my whole life almost feeling like a failure. It's appropriate though, because on Fail Better, my new podcast with Lemonada Media, exploring the world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives is the whole point. Each week I'll chat with artists, athletes, actors, and experts about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, I hope we can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out on May 7th, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey everyone, are you ready to add a sprinkle of joy to your day? Then you need to check out Add to Cart. Hi, I'm Sujan Pak. And I'm Kulap Vilaisak. We're your hosts, and on this show, we talk about the things we buy, the things we buy into, and what it says about who we are. That's right. Each week, we're going to have some honest and maybe, you know, little TMI conversations about all the fabulous, weird, wonderful things we're adding to or ditching from our carts. You know, we talk about beauty products, latest health trends, philosophies we're passionate about. Nothing is off limits on this podcast. We're diving deep into everything we and our guests buy into and exploring what it reveals about who we truly are. We're going to decide what's worth the investment, be it money or emotions. Add to Cart from Lemonada Media has new episodes out on Tuesdays, wherever you get your podcasts. Lemonada. I'm Kiki Monique, and this is I'm Sorry, a podcast about apologies. And this week, I learned on TikTok that thin 90s eyebrows are trying to make a resurgence. And to that, I will say, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me, you can't fool me again. Those are the wise words of George W. Bush, (laughs) our 43rd president. Who didn't give us a lot, but he did give us Bushisms. And for that, I appreciate him. And this is Mohanad El Sheikhi. And this week, it's Steph Curry's birthday. And also mine. And my name is Oha Lopez. And this week, in honor of Kiki in New York City, I've had a bagel every morning. And Love it. It has been the best week ever. No, it's put me in a good mood every morning. This morning, I had pumpernickel with... Bacon and chives, but damn if it hasn't been a delicious weekend. A bagel a day will make you happy. 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 (laughs) Hello, everyone, and welcome to part two of our Elizabeth Holmes deep dive. For this episode, we are going to get into the court case, the trial, the eventual sentencing, and a little bit more about the crazy Balwani-Holmes relationship. This has been really interesting because it's been in the the news. And just as a heads up, sentencing is now set for September of 2022. So we've got some time before we figure out kind of like the full consequences of kind of what came up in the trial. But did you see anything in the news about the trial? Like what came up for you so far before we get into it? Well, I was trying to figure out because I was also curious, like why Elizabeth's sentencing was so far away. And my understanding was that because Sonny's trial starts in March and some of the stuff that will actually come out in the trial could affect what her sentencing would be. That's why it's so far out, because basically she's facing 20 years for each count. So that's a total of 80 years. And they're saying the likelihood of her getting that much time is not high. But if it comes out like, in you know, during Sonny's trial, that maybe worse things have happened, she could get a much higher sentence, which I think, yeah, you know, I think some people really want. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's the same thing. I've just been like seeing why it was delayed. And also it was interesting to learn that one of the reasons it was delayed at first in her trial, not even the sentencing, was because she had a had a child. And right. Yeah, she gave birth and I was just like, did you want to have a child or that was just to delay the uh, the trial? 
<laughs> well, you know, and our favorite, you know, Phyllis, Dr. Phyllis was the one who called it too. You know, yeah. she was just like, she's probably going to, you know, get pregnant just to delay this trial. And then she's like, ta-da. And that's, that's exactly <laughs> Here I what go. happened. God. I mean, I, I want to get it past her. Yeah. And the whole thing is she, I guess she, she is officially married to, his name is Billy Evans. I, I feel like we see the ring. Have they confirmed the marriage though? I don't know if they actually ever confirmed it, which is what's interesting. But, you know, she is living on this, like, what, $135 million nine-bedroom yeah. estate while she's waiting to be sentenced with her new man and her baby. Yeah. Well, Vanity Fair confirmed that they were married, but I, I haven't necessarily heard, like, a statement from them in okay. particular. I think she's 37 at this point, and then he is 29, so she is... <laughs> quite a bit older than he is and then he is a, a very wealthy kind of like hospitality heir and they do have you know a child but to me i'm like what kind of person falls in love and marries somebody who's currently facing <laughs> like 11 counts of wire fraud and like a federal investigation like i don't understand what did they meet on tinder and she's like put it on her like profile like how do you hey hey it's a big red flag baby look at this she's waving it her entire her entire persona is a red flag so that is really confusing i know i just feel it that she got married and had this kid because when they do the sentencing like are you want to like take this mom away from her kid for that long and have this kid like grow up without a mom damn and like bullshit like this it's insane and I just was trying to figure out, I mean, this dude she married, I mean, he comes from all of this money. Normally, when you come from a family with that much wealth, they really, like, will prevent you from marrying people because they'll say, like, hey, we're going to cut you out of the will. We're going to take away your trust, all of these things, just so that they don't marry people that they don't want in the family. So I was shocked to see that he went through with it. And it to me, I was like, it must be some sort of like rebellion thing, right? Like yeah. when you grow up in a family like that and you see this woman who, let's be real, if you attach yourself to somebody and she goes to prison and now you have this kid with her, people are going to come to you for book deals or, or, or random things, right? And yeah. if you don't necessarily want to be in your family's hotel business and you want to look to maybe be an entertainer, I mean, maybe this is how you do it. Yeah, and this woman, uh, Elizabeth Holmes, very committed to never marrying anyone who's, or being with anyone who is close to her age. It's either <laughs> 20 years older or 10, or 10 years, years 15 younger. years younger. There's <laughs> yeah. no in between. She's like, nope, not you cannot be born around the decade I was I was yeah. born in. She's like me in high school. <laughs> she always wants to like copy herself after old white men, and I feel like old, old white men will do the same thing. It's kind of like they either date super young or maybe they are yeah. sort of like playboys who find like a you know richer person, you know, who knows? And that is sort of like what we see during the trial. But the biggest I think part for me too is coming from like the the Balwani angle too, because we didn't talk about it that much in last episode, because I wanted to leave some of the weird juicy details yeah. and do kind of like a little micro deep dive on Balwani because um, they talk about it a little bit in the actual TV show and how they kind of portray him is really interesting, but he is much older than her and he launches something called Commerce Bid, which is a software company that helped businesses kind of like buy and sell items right uh, when kind of the internet was burgeoning, which is really just essentially, I would guess, kind of like an Amazon style uh, website, but they end yes. up selling that website and selling the shares of, yeah. yes, for 40 million bucks, which is insane. So obviously, you know, if you're a 19 year old Elizabeth Holmes who wants to be in tech and you meet this person that's worth $40 million because of tech. Yeah. Like, I can definitely see how she was sort of taken by him. And then all that sort of maintained the relationship while she was 19, while he was 37. Um, and it sort of began platonically. But then, as we see in the show, they end up getting in a relationship and moving in together yeah. um, in 2005. And that's two years after she founded Theranos, and then a year after she dropped out of Stanford. But he was married when they got to, I mean, or yes. when they met, not when they got together. He was yeah. married when they met. And he 
sells this company for $40 million and then gets a divorce. I mean, I'm already like not liking this dude. Again, the idea that he gets involved in Theranos in in 2009 and he really gets his in. He kind of buys his way into the company with sort of a $13 million kind of relief fund. And this he goes on to explain in his testimony, just basically saying that the company is like low on cash and that he he sort of says that he knows of the mission and that he believed what the company was trying to do and ended up giving it as a $13 million personal loan with no interest. It's sort of a good faith loan. Yeah. And then six months later, he's president and COO of Theranos. So obviously, it's like you can already start to tell that he's kind of actively involved in things that are not really on the up and up. And then again, as they, you know, they show in the show, they don't disclose their relationship to you know, employees and different people working at Theranos. Yeah. But then that got me thinking, have Kiki or Mohanad ever dated anybody that they worked with <laughs> and did it or caused any drama at all? That was like always my worst nightmare. When I would see people hooking up with work, I just <laughs> I was know. like, the thought of like sleeping with you and then now sitting at a desk like that I you walk by every day. I could never do it. I just couldn't. Yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's weird. Now recommended. Also, one thing to say about about Sonny and the dropout, they really did him a huge favor. Oh my, yep. They got Naveen <laughs> Andrews to play him. So beautiful. I'm sorry, oh. like not like come on. We've seen the real Sonny. I'm just like, <laughs> I'm like you're trying to be like this man is hot. Yep, that's why she fell for him. I'm like he's just a dude. Yeah. Yeah, Naveen was the only way it was going to convince me that a guy that like had all of these terrible qualities I would still want to sleep with. Because <laughs> yeah, <laughs> otherwise, yeah. it makes no sense. Like, your terrible qualities and I find you not attractive? Mm, no. There's no way in hell. It's so fucking weird. And it's just like, the more I like read about her company and the money that she got and the... I mean, the dropout is not done yet. You know, like, it's only like four episodes out so far as the time of our recording. But... It's just the men around her and like how she just like tubing them in and making them like pay all of that money. I really can't tell what's happening here. Like, is she that convincing? Are they that desperate? I'm not sure. Yeah, she's a cute girl at a bar asking for a martini, you know, and the guys are like coming up and she's like, thank you for this drink. And now goodbye. I want nothing to do with with you at all. And I don't mind a little bit of that behavior. Honestly, I think that 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 can be a little, you know, that could be fine. But I'm not happy that she embezzled money from investors, but I would have preferred it just been from these rich dudes instead of affecting actual patients. Well, exactly. And, yeah. Uh, and actual real people, you know. Yeah, like for the record, I am not against uh, anyone <laughs> getting those like rich like white dudes to pay you so much money to do anything. Yeah. I do you not care about them. I do not care about <laughs> their money. Like these dummies just have too much money and they're just, they literally just have no ideas, nothing. It's the fact that she then was like, no, this machine works and we will let actual people use it and just miss on uh, diseases that they might have or tell them that they're fine while they're not. That's an issue. I'm not trying to be a mean girl, but look, I'm I'm a girl and sometimes the mean girl comes out. And I'm looking at Elizabeth and she's you know, a smart woman and all these things. But the reason I feel like she's getting all this money isn't because of necessarily her brain. It's because these guys see, again, like this like blonde woman and they're just like, oh yeah, like let me give some money to this. Yeah. But as a woman, I just kept being like, She's normal looking. All I'm saying is she just feels very normal looking to me. And I just I just like in my head think like you would have to be some stunner in order to like pull off this sort of thing. And every time I see her, I just see this like woman who wears a turtleneck who like whose hair is like unkempt and she just has these men wrapped around her fingers like would i kill it in silicon is what i'm saying i guess that's what (laughs) i'm trying to get to it's like okay (laughs) how can i get into silicon says kiki money i do think that the angle of like her being somewhat charming and for her deep voice to be incredibly alluring and interesting to these people but i do think that 
you have to have some kind of game. Like you have to be able to sell somebody a vision. I do think to a certain extent, she's probably a very gifted, like, and convincing person and speaker. And a lot of the things that I hear about these companies is that they invest in like leadership and whether or not they believe in the leader versus the idea. Exactly. And so I think in this case, they're like, okay, well, maybe this product isn't developed yet, or we don't have all the answers about this product, but I really believe that this is the right person to steer this forward. And so I think that there's probably elements of that as well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, her pedigree. Yeah. Yeah. And like, also like most women are not willing to talk to these douchebags. They literally have no one to talk to them (laughs) except their other bros because they fucking suck. Yeah. And the idea that a woman is nice to them, like even like doesn't even have to be very nice, just like, you know, kind of like tickle their egos. Obviously, I'm not sure how much of it is like true. But like when the Walgreens guy, he was like, you can call me uh, Dr. J or whatever. They play (laughs) basketball. And she laughs at his like lame jokes and calls him whatever he wants. He's like willing to give her millions of dollars just for that. Because, you know, because I'm like, they're a bunch of losers. That's all I can say about them. It reminds me of the other Hulu series we watched, Pam and Tommy, when Pam Anderson had to go to that conference in Mexico just to be around all of these guys who had paid all of this money for this, like, you know, conference and her as a guest there just to sit at a table with Pamela Anderson. And, like, of course, she's going to entertain them because she's getting paid all this money. But it's just like, okay, whatever, whatever, dude, whatever I need to do to get paid. Oh, agreed. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of like interesting power dynamics at play in that series and in this series. And we don't usually see like a like a female CEO or somebody at that level, like kind of toying with other people. And I love to see it a little bit. I know that's bad. And I hate that she broke the law. And I hate that people were hurt. But I always I just love a bad woman. Like I love it when women can reach a level to where their fraud can waste millions of dollars, you know, like it's yeah, half heartwarming. Again, but a lot of it, and I and I think Kiki like talked about this a bit. You know, the last episode, it's a lot of like white woman tears too. Yeah, involved in it. She knows when to let these come out, and they work in her favor. Yeah, and you know they were like literally about to vote her out as a CEO of the company because she kept fucking up, and then she just went and just cried to them, and then they were like, "We can't do this to her." Well, yeah, I mean, you know, the white woman tears definitely came out during the trial because like, one of the most controversial things was how she was, she, you know, in her trial, she said that Sonny was mentally and sexually abusive towards her and sort of tried to like, use that as a reason of like, why she was doing those things. Yeah. Um, And I think it got walked back a bit. You know, they released, what was it, like, pages and pages of the text messages between them that was really to show, like, how they were really intertwining business with their personal. And it's like, first of all, so many of those text messages were just so cringy. So like, the silly. They were saying between <laughs> each other. But it's just kind yeah. of like, on one hand, like, we saw the relationship you had. And now it's like, to say that when it's benefiting you is also just like, oh, girl, come on. Yeah. Yeah. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. After season one aired, I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few, and of course, my 90-year-old mom, Judy. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me Season 2 is out now from Lemonada Media.
The trial is going to be really interesting. And for me, like seeing everything come out kind of on Elizabeth's side has been uh, revealing because it is a narrative in some ways. And so Balwani's trial is going to be, you know, a narrative where he's defending himself from you know, everything that she sort of accused him of, and then probably having his own negative narrative about Elizabeth. I mean, I, I don't doubt that there'll be sort of like some some dirt slinging back and forth, but... Oh, I'm excited to watch that. Yeah. I'm very excited. And I know uh, Carrie Rue, the, the person who wrote the book about her, he went in 2018, he did a Reddit AMA. And one of the things that really popped out for me of what he said, uh, talking about some of the text messages, that they reinforced that the, the idea that their relationship was kind of a partnership of equals. So in some ways, part of the trial is this game or escapade of, you know, pointing the finger at each other. But the truth is, a lot of the evidence actually points to the fact that Sonny is the one who actually voices some words of caution or expresses like some misgivings, whereas Elizabeth never seems to be expressing those. Exactly. So that's like hard evidence of exactly yes a little bit of Elizabeth's point of view. Let's not forget, like he joined the company later, so the mm-hmm. fraud started before he was on the board of the company. So, I mean, you know, you were doing this already, and there was no pressure because he was not involved with the company. Like, I'm not saying this is a good. Like, this is still a man who fucking like was in a relationship with a 19 years old. So he's a he's a fucking creep. Yeah. But you you've been doing this fraud for for longer than that, and I think it's also very interesting because we see in the show and it's it's this is a, a true thing that her dad worked for Enron, which is mm-hmm. like one of the biggest scandals of, of like the century when they like went bankrupt and to see that happen to your dad and be like, This is I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do the exact same thing. <laughs> yes. I am uh, gonna talk about legacy. You exactly. Know? Talk about getting yeah. into the same sorority or fraternity. Yeah. So f- particularly for the you know, what she's accused of or what kind of came out in court is the idea that, you know, there's eleven counts against her of wire fraud or conspiracy to commit wire fraud. And in my <laughs> In my research, I was like, what the hell is wire fraud? Like, what does it actually mean? And why do we keep like using this particular thing as a device to catch these sort of like white collar criminals? And uh, it's just a really interesting to me feeling of like, why do we use this? And essentially, it's like the prosecution, A, they have to prove that you are a part of the scheme to defraud people, but then they also have to prove that you knew that you were being dishonest and that you knew about the deception. I see. And and then also under the guise of that you use wire radio or television um, or social media or signals or internet or facts to (laughs) commit this crime. So it's a very broad basically description that allows, you know, the law to kind of capture a lot of people within that description. So it it was just really interesting to me when I was like, what the hell is a wire fraud? So they find her guilty on four of those 11 counts. And, you know, just to mention a couple of them, some of the counts that they found her guilty on was of defrauding Lakeshore Capital Management of essentially $100 million (laughs) of a wire transfer from Mosley Family Holdings. And that was for $6 million. Like, and the list just kind of goes on uh, in terms of the people that she defrauded. But it seemed like most of the charges that she was found guilty on were really only for the big investors. That's right. It was like the lesser charges that actually hurt like individual people, she wasn't found guilty on. No. Which is famously the way that the American justice system functions is they're comfortable and okay giving money back to big companies and bailing out giant entities, but they're not comfortable with the idea of, you know, like individual paying patients that were affected because of like faulty blood testing results. So none of those wire frauds actually went through, which is a really interesting thing. And I think, you know, goes back to the idea of like, you have to prove malintent on each one of those. And it's possible that they couldn't prove it for those particular ones. And I mean, also, like, it's 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 part of it, you know, because the American law is like very like situational, like it's like case by case thing. And you don't want to set precedent. So if you basically do that, then so many other people will come and sue other drug companies and like, 
and all of that and you, right. you don't want that you don't want no. you, you don't want people like uh, demanding money or like talking about like their rights being violated or any of that it's just you know if you defraud a big company then you know that's not good yeah, I mean, because like you can pay one large, you know, hundred million dollar payout, but God forbid you had hundreds of millions of people who each deserve to pay out and then you owe billions. Well, then you're screwed. Because like, they know people don't have money to go with these lawsuits. Yeah, so, and that's just, what it is. It's fucked up. Mm-hmm. Have you ever gotten like 17 cents from AT&T being like, <laughs> sorry, sorry. Yeah. I'm like, for what? The amount of emails I get saying like, do you want to sign up for this class action? It's like, I used to do them all until I started getting, yeah, like 14 cents. And then I'm like, <laughs> you know what? Keep your stupid pennies. Exactly. Which is, I hate that that's what they count on. and And I hate that. Even in like this particular trial, we like the three of us so clearly observe how like unjust these systems are towards people who can't really afford to defend themselves. And so ultimately, out of all of this, the people that are most affected are always like patients. And hopefully, you know, in the Balwani case and in the sentencing, that's something that they take into account. We do the show as an idea of like being empathetic or trying to understand why people do the things that they do and why they we feel like an apology is necessary i'm really struggling with with elizabeth because i there's something about the privilege of her upbringing there's something about just like the idea that somebody wants to prove themselves and that being enough to then choose this kind of level of fraud i'm on the struggle bus with trying to find redeeming qualities about her and i know that's not our job but damn i i yeah I'm just going to go ahead and say, like, mostly people like those tech bros, which covers both men and women, I have no sympathy yeah. or empathy for them. I truly, those, like, bunch of fucking losers. Yeah. Uh, who, I mean, like, look at, like, Elon Musk's uh, Twitter account. That man now is posting the cringiest memes you can ever think of. Ugh. The richest man in the world and truly one of the most cringiest people ever. It's just a bunch of other bros just hyping him up all the time. I have no empathy, sympathy, nothing to them. They get more chances than any of us are afforded. And it, this is what they choose to do with their money, just fuck other people and just like do the like little experiments and stuff. And also the other thing is like, you know, I was looking at like Elizabeth Holmes like board and my God, the people <laughs> yeah. she had on. It's a who's who of sort of like financial war crimes. <laughs> it's like Henry Kissinger was on it. Yeah. What was the selling point? They were like, hey, Henry, this is about blood. And he was like, absolutely. I mean, I love do I blood get to suck so it much. Or do I get to rub my entire body? <laughs> exactly. He was like, I am in. I fucking love this shit. Uh, will people die? Maybe. And she was like, hopefully not. And he was like, well, yeah, sure. Hopefully not. We're all crossing our fingers. <laughs> <I guess. laughs> I mean, I'm calling it. I'm telling you, I don't think that she, I'll think she'll get at max four years. You think? I'm telling you, I think oh, she'll yeah. get maybe four years. And again, she's leading her whole sentencing up living in the lap of luxury right now, chilling yeah. in a in a estate that most people would never even get to touch a foot on in their lifetime. Yeah. And it will be very cush and she'll get out and she will still have a charmed life. And I guess that to me is why I have no sympathy because I'm like, you're you're going to be fine when you come out. Most people who commit crimes are not okay when they get out. Most marginalized people, I should say, who commit crimes are not okay when they get out, if they make it out at all. Because normally what happens is like they get in there and they end up in the cycle and things happen and they just end up staying there for so long. You know what's going to be even worse? What? I just feel what could it be my, worse than this? No, no. I'll tell you. I, I just feel it in my bones, especially with like the fucking kid that she has. She will get uh, jail time, but it will be house arrest, so she can spend uh... time with her child. So it's like what three years or whatever of house arrest. She's still like living in this fucking mansion, doing whatever she wants, and then 
basically she literally misses on nothing and she'll be fine yeah so basically quarantine we've all been under house arrest but we've had to do it in like shoe boxes yeah she gets to have the maternity leave that the rest of america can't <laughs> exactly she's like well i'm on maternity leave that's exactly what's gonna happen and in those three years or something she's gonna come out with first of all she's gonna come out with like some non-profit yeah. Or whatever. Oh, uh, to be like, this is the my way of apologizing, blah, 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 and like defending people, blah, whatever. And then she will have some other product that's just not going to work, obviously, but still. I think these are both good predictions. Like, I, I cannot see a fault in either of them. They might both come true. Or the idea of like a very short sentence, which again, when you realize that marginalized people go to jail for longer periods of time with harsher sentencing for lesser crimes and stuff that affects, you know, thousands of people, if not millions of people, then just sort of gets kind of swept under the rug. So I think we acknowledge that in and of herself, Elizabeth Holmes is sort of a, a bit of a monster. And then the system that's going to judge her generally is sort of built for people like her, honestly. Yeah. And again, the trial is is, is really interesting because a, we don't know how it's going to go. But then also, I mean, part of her restitution ultimately is going to be that maximum sentence of 20 years in prison, uh, the fines of $250,000 plus kind of restitutions for each of those 11 counts. But they both have pleaded not guilty to all charges. They both are trying to get away with as much of it as they can. But they've, I mean, federal prosecutors have drawn hundreds of possible witnesses. I know that they wanted to bring in like Kissinger and Rupert Mordock. And, you know, they even had a James Mattis, who's the former U.S. Secretary of defense on the list for people that they wanted to testify but those people are not going <laughs> they're they didn't show up they're not going to be there uh, course, and ultimately yeah. if this trial really is about or that really was about kind of convincing jurors that the claims that she made to kind of investors and patients and corporate partners were real we go back to the same thing that we talked about last episode which is is this kind of the optimism of a very ambitious cute startup leader lady or is this the real machinations of somebody who who knew what was happening and the truth is is when they read those guilty verdicts they decided that this is what was happening that she was the machine and that she was making decisions behind that and she knew that it was that it was all abusive and manipulative, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think most of these people are just like really, really believe in themselves and how smart they are. And the loss of lives means nothing because like they keep reading about like people in the past who were, you know, had these like big inventions and society did not accept them at first, but then they managed to get through them and made a big thing. And she, <laughs> yeah. they think they are the same exact thing. And normal people are like nothing. Like it's a, it's a, a necessary casualties, basically. You know, the HBO documentary, The Inventor, like the very first line they talk about Thomas Edison. I mean... And his whole thing as an inventor, he would make these promises, get people to invest in them, and then it toil away until he got it to work. And so, you know, obviously that is pretty normal in, you know, startup world. It's like you really truly believe in yourself. But at some point you realize dreams do have deadlines. I like to say dreams don't have deadlines, <laughs> but some dreams do have deadlines exactly, when you yeah. get to a point where you've just like worn it out. And that's when you cross over into yeah. like, but you, but then you're into like, you can't return zone because now you've taken all of this money that you've spent all of this money. So now you have to forge ahead and then you become a criminal. It's, it's a yeah. slippery slope. And I can understand how you can get there. It's just that like, I unfortunately don't think I'd ever get the chance to get even that far because people would <laughs> be questioning me before i even got like one million dollars yeah. let alone hundreds of millions or so. try to withdraw twelve thousand dollars from bank of america <laughs> <laughs> by passing a polite and delicate note to a woman <laughs> uh shout out to ryan coogler he's best man alive but um okay i will say one positive thing out of this is that she did swindle betsy devos out of a hundred million dollars yeah and that brings me a little bit of joy yeah that's okay with me I love it. Um, sure, she's still from a lot of people, but that's one that I'm like, okay, maybe yeah. Holmes is doing one, is doing one for the team, you know? Exactly. Again, I don't have any issue with all of the money she took from these rich people. Fuck them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fuck them all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Hi, I'm June Diane Raphael. And I'm Jessica St. Clair. And each week we are sitting down to talk all about life's twists, turns, and absurdities on The Deep Dive. From exploring the depths of TikTok, which is our only news source, to navigating the complexities of grief and loss, we are just two best friends behind a mic processing life together. This podcast is all about finding the silver linings in the madness. So get ready for unfiltered conversations about motherhood, careers, pop culture, and everything in between. Here at The Deep Dive, we're all about community. We believe in the power of sharing experiences and the strength that comes from supporting one another. And we would love to have you with us. So be sure to join us every Wednesday on The Deep Dive from Lemonada Media, wherever you get your podcasts. Do you ever get hit with a cringy memory of your 13-year-old self out of nowhere and suddenly you're panic sweating and laughing at the same time? Don't, don't worry, don't worry. We all get that. It's because being an adolescent is one of the most visceral shared experiences we have as people. And we want to talk about it. Join me, Penn Badgley, and my two friends, Nava and Sophie, on Podcrushed as we interview celebrity guests about the joys and horrors of being a teenager and how those moments made them who they are today. New episodes of Podcrushed are out now wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, so to our apology base, I mean, I definitely think that Elizabeth has to apologize. I really doubt that she will, because part of her defense is that she never feels like she did anything wrong. And so I guess when it comes to an apology, do you ever dig your heels in, either of you, where you really know you should apologize internally, but you have decided that as a stand, you will not? Like, what do you do? Okay, okay, here we go. (laughs) What is it about the idea? Because she clearly needs to apologize, but she shan't. For me, it's just more like when I don't think the person deserves it, because I've Mm. probably wrapped in some other reasons why, like, they don't deserve it from me. Um, Yeah, I mean, in Elizabeth's case, you know, I think she's just living in a delusional world for so long, and she's she's believing her own lies. and. (laughs) I think it would be very funny if one of the requirements of her like sentencing is that she apologize to people in her normal voice. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, I am, I am sorry to everyone about... No, and you don't mean it. Done. Do it again, Elizabeth. Uh, you need to do it and done. mean it. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm really stuck here. I cannot revert back now. I, I wonder if it hurts when she does that, but that's another conversation we will... Yeah. I mean, if anything, she should at least apologize for failing. Because, look, she made these promises that she could save all of these people who have to do these blood draws that are just, like, you know, so taxing on them all of this time by, like, doing a blood prick, you know? And so, at the very least, you could at least apologize and say, sorry, I thought I could do this and I failed you, as an inventor. Exactly. And to the people who she fired, you know, like a lot of people lost their jobs and that fucking sucks. So And some people lost their lives. I mean, yeah. remember the head scientist, you know, like the way they, you know, treated him. Yeah. It's sad. Yeah. Uh, again, going back to the thing that they said of, uh, of her choosing fraud over business failure. It's like human beings are so desperately afraid of failure and public failure at that. That she was willing to push it to that length in order to avoid feeling the bad feeling and having other people see her in that specific light. And while I can identify with the emotion of not wanting to feel embarrassed, not wanting to feel failure, the vitriol and the craziness with which she protected herself and her other people is something some people around her and herself will have to forgive her for, because I don't necessarily think that the population at large or or other people will really be able to forgive her for. Yeah. Can I ask you a question? You know, I remember seeing in all of the photos when she's going to trial pictures, usually she's between her mother and her now husband, boyfriend, whomever he is. I never see her father. I don't know. Is that because he passed? Or is it because, like... 
he was also wrapped up in this Enron scandal and maybe looking at his own daughter go through this, he's like actually ashamed of her. I don't know. I just, I hadn't seen him in any of the photos. Yeah. Um, I don't know if they're necessarily close. I know I looked up a little bit about him just in terms of like, you know, his background and the fact that he was wealthy. I know he's like currently still a, like he works as a consultant kind of. So he still works you know, with like project management and in it's very sort of like vague. So I imagine like a lot of consultants, he just uses people that he knows to bring him in to do jobs and to kind of help. But I I don't know anything about their relationship. I mean, because it would be interesting. I mean, he lost his livelihood. He was embarrassed, didn't want to have to go ask money all because, you know, his company was defrauding people. And here he has his offspring doing the exact same thing. I would think yeah. it would be hard for a father to look his daughter in the eye after that. Yeah, that sounds that sounds probably like a, a not just a fraught relationship now, but also, again, as we see in the show, um, it seems like they put a lot of energy and hope and optimism into her career and into how smart she was. And it always sucks when the promise of something doesn't yeah. meet up with the results. And this is just such a sad, spectacular fall from something that could have been a really amazing career, a really amazing person who, if without that sort of ego or without maybe some of the 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 dreams of it could have been somebody that we you know as women could have looked up to and could have seen as something like oh shit like it's possible for more people to do it and it and again it's always yeah. fucking hard because now it's going to take the next blonde blue-eyed bitch like 10 more years <laughs> you know what i take that back it's going to happen again uh, wait i was going to say i was sensing a little bit of empathy there i saw i saw it coming out i was like oh here it comes no and you i rolled it back in i just <laughs> sucked that right back into my body and i was like you know what no ma'am but uh, I guess in, in my mind, I really am waiting to not have to take a, uh, you know, so much blood out for the next time that I need to take tests. Because genuinely, yeah. that, in essence, when it does happen, will oh, really it. change people's lives. I hate and I that can't was, get blood drawn. Yes. And that was a part of the, that was a part of the fantasy, because we all individually want that part of our lives to not be uncomfortable and when that's handed on a silver platter it makes sense that people were really yeah freaking excited about it of course yeah yeah how many episodes are in total in the hulu series hopefully not more than eight i'm i'm tired of waiting i'm just like you know they're not gonna get amanda seyfried for a full you know like 12 episode arc she's like no yeah hulu doesn't necessarily do 12 the most (laughs) they'll do is like nine or ten usually yeah 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 yeah. well we won't have a conclusion in real life because sunny's trial starts in march well so that's this month yeah so we'll see that live and then uh then we gotta wait till fall to see this uh I'm, I'm excited i'm excited to watch his uh when when the series come out about him uh too bad they can't call it his always sunny uh, but so- <laughs> <laughs> were you holding on to that in your back no, I just, freaking pocket I, no i literally just thought about it and um <laughs> Okay, and now it's time for my favorite segment, Sorry Not Sorry, where we either apologize to someone or we demand an apology. And uh, like every week, I'm going to start with Oha. What's what's happening this week? I would like to demand an apology this time around. I'm feeling very confident. And I would like to get an apology from my dreams. And they have been sort of haunting me this week. Because I've been waking up like early at like 6 a.m. or something and then I go pee and then when I get back to sleep in those hours from like 6 a.m. to like 9 a.m. when I go back to sleep, I mean, the craziest shit has been happening in this noggin of mine, you guys. At one point, I had a dream that I was a sequin, you know, like a sequin on a dress. A single sequin. A single sequin surrounded by sequins. And I was like, I don't know. I feel like this is too heady. And then I went on a big thing to figure out what it meant. And I'll be honest, I just think maybe it doesn't make any sense. (laughs) 
Yeah, I mean, normally dreams like that means either you've done drugs or I will say that the going back to bed is similar to doing drugs because like you can have like a totally normal sleep, but then when you wake up and try to go back to sleep, the dreams are never the same. Funky, funky dreams in there. Some some funny nightmares where, you know, like stuck in place stuff or, but anyways, I demand an apology maybe for my own brain and that whole system going on in there that I have no control over. You know, I'm just not into it. I would prefer a nice, rock solid, hard sleep, positive dreams. I would like sexy dreams. I would like to have nice, fun dreams of me being a millionaire. But instead, I don't know, I'm, I'm yeah. trapped in like a with cave dwellers underground, <laughs> surviving for food. I don't, I don't think, yeah, I mean, dreaming about being a millionaire is great. I had that last night and then I woke up and I was like, well, I am not. So it is disappointing how they end. It's the same when I'm eating something really good in my dream and mm. wake up and it's not really there. Being poor and hungry when you wake up is <laughs> exactly. the worst part. The not worst. Good. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Absolutely that reality not. check when the dream is not true. So, Kiki, what's happening with you this week? Well, interestingly enough, um, it sort of revolves around sleep, too. But I'm going to give an apology and I'm going to give it to my couch. Because, as you know, for the last year, I've pretty much been exclusively sleeping on my couch because you know I watch TV and then it's just like I fall asleep but like for the last like two maybe three weeks I have been solely devoted to bed sleep I've been sleeping in my bed every single night so I feel like I owe an apology for just kind of abandoning my couch and just to say like I'm probably not going to return anytime soon because you know we had Su Chimpak, who is like the co-host of Add to Car on our show recently, and her and Kulab are always talking about this pillow that they yes. like are obsessed with, mm-hmm. like and like their audience is obsessed with. And so I'm like, okay, let me see what this pillow is about. So I got one of these pillows. I was look, I was skeptical at first because it's like this over the head pillow, which, you know, I'm already a weird sleeper as it is. And I thought like, okay, over the head, is it going to feel like restrictive? Am I going to feel like I'm suffocating? But like, it's actually like really the opposite. So it's like this sleep crown pillow and it has like a curve out where your mouth goes. And so you just like lay it over your head and you can sort of tuck it behind your head. Even if you sleep on your back or if you sleep on your side, you kind of just wrap it around. So it's kind of like having like like almost like a weighted blanket or like a face mask for your (laughs) or like a weighted blanket for your face. Right. And I literally have not, I've been sleeping so well because like normally like I have these outside lights that like automatically go off anytime there's any motion and it's like, you know, feral cat, possum, whatever they like are always on. So it's like, it blocks that completely out, which is really, really nice. And I actually, sleep through the night and look i'll trust anything i mean the the person who invented this pillow apparently is like some restorative yoga teacher and who's all about like sleep and so i'm like okay i trust people who spend their lives just trying to like get me comfortable and get me to sleep so i'm sorry to my couch but i don't think i'll be making a return because i purposely leave this like sleep crown pillow because you know it's look it's like it is a little bit pricier. It's like made in the US. It's like, you know, handmade, all of that. So it's, yeah. and so I'm not going to leave it on my couch for my cats to scratch up. So I purposely <laughs> yeah. leave it in my bedroom. So in order to get to it, I have to go to sleep in my bed. So I'm sorry to my couch, but I don't think I'll be making a return anytime soon. You're grown now. Grown woman. Y- y- oh, you're, yeah. in, you're in a sleep self-care routine. Sounds like I need something <laughs> like that, too, to just ward away the bad dreams. I think it will help. It might yeah. help with your dreams, for real. Well, I'm going to demand an apology like I do every week. Uh, yes. I never apologize. Cannot remember the last time I've done anyth- anything wrong. Uh, some of us are just born like this, and that's fine. <laughs> the apology I'm demanding is from uh, LaGuardia Airport. Uh, mm. If you're not familiar with LaGuardia and you're not from New York, haven't traveled into it or anything, it's a it's an open air prison mm. that mm-hmm. has flights. <laughs> Sometimes that come come out of it. If you're lucky, the flight will be there and you will leave. <laughs> but no promises, no promises. 
Uh, I was traveling to uh, Vermont, uh, Burlington, Vermont, great city, uh, great coffee, by the way, very nice people. Everyone there in Burlington looked like they pay their rent in compliments. It was mm, great. Wow. Yeah. Or syrup. They have really good syrups. Exactly. <laughs> they, they do. Yes. But LaGuardia, other than being just a, an awful, awful airport with the hottest coffee to ever exist, you cannot touch the like the like the when they give you the coffee like they're not, it's not supposed to be touched by hand or mouth, I guess. Uh, <laughs> Sounds just, like a lawsuit. I feel like if you sue them, it will crumble. They're like literally, we have nothing. We'll just close. <laughs> You know the thing they do where they, uh, when you get to your gate, like let's say the gate is B1. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then maybe like 20 or like half hour before your flight or something, they're like, oh, sorry, we have a, we're changing the gate. uh, And now it's gate B300. It's it's only six miles away. And I checked my health app and that day I got to my 10,000 steps. Wow. (laughs) And nothing worse that can happen to you other than just like having to walk really fast when it's obviously it's cold outside in New York. So you're like wearing a coat, but you're cold and also sweaty. Yeah, it's the no, worst. It's the worst. Mm-hmm. I I actually refuse to do it. One time I went limping up. I just like threw in a limp to one of those like <laughs> guys with the, the trams. And I was like, ah, I just, I can't. And he just like, get on. I will fake my way into those trams before I like I go do running that. down yeah. the mile long hallway. I won't do it. The only saving grace was I, I got something from Shake Shack. And it, mm. I don't know why, maybe because of uh, the whole trip being just a torture probably the best meal i've ever had so thank you shake shack i guess that actually i've been to that shake shack you're speaking of and it's actually is very delicious yeah (laughs) call it emotional reward eating this is exactly exactly right exactly yeah especially that the flight did not have any food or coffee or anything on it <laughs> they were just like hey like you can like you sit on one of the wings if you want to it doesn't yeah. who gives a fuck well if you want to go to any niche airport any little small airport is definitely going to be more expensive but welcome yeah. back home you're home now thank you now i am home yes i'm happy for you I'm Sorry is a Lemonada Media original. This episode was produced by Alex McCohen and Jorge Olivares. Our executive producers are Stephanie Whittles-Wax and Jessica Cordova-Kramer. Our mix is by Kat Yor, and theme music was composed by Xander Singh. If you like this show, please rate and review. And please don't cancel us. You can find out more about our show at Lemonada Media on all social platforms or follow us on Instagram at I'm sorry underscore podcast. We'll be back next week. And until then, be nice, play fair and always say I'm sorry. Hi, I'm feminist Erin Gibson. And I'm homosexual Brian Safi. And we're the co-hosts of the Attitudes podcast where we talk about LGBT plus issues, gender issues, and pop culture. Probably with much less respect than they deserve. Look, it's a wild world, and we want to help you laugh at it. Plus, we discuss everything going on in our lives. Like, what do you do when your husband accidentally starts a fire in a dumpster? And the best armpit slapping techniques to get rid of the bags under your eyes. Thanks for the advice, Mom. And of course, how to spin a wig around to achieve a brand new look. Ah, stunning. So if you're a fan of high heel shoe chairs or have a crippling fear of hot air balloons, but also believe in social justice, then this show's for you. Listen to Attitudes anywhere you get your podcasts. Hey, friends, it's Megan Trainer And her big bro, Ryan Trainer And her husband, Daryl Sabara. Each week on our podcast, Working On It, we share behind-the-scenes stories and bring you into our hilarious and heartfelt conversations, and sometimes with amazing guests. We tackle everything from navigating Hollywood to mental health to Megan becoming a mother, Daryl becoming a father, and so much more. We'll get into the nitty-gritty of our lives and leave no detail behind. Prepare to laugh, cry, and hopefully learn something new. Listen to new episodes out every Wednesday wherever you get your podcasts.